it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And thanks to our malt mate to cry malt, I'm Matt Kierkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and this week Pilsners, Professor Pilsner. This week I speak with my good friend and occasional sparring partner, Pete Mitchum. Clearly, Pete is no stranger to listeners, but at the same time, his involvement is usually speaking with others or trying to keep me on track during our weekly news podcast, rather than talking about himself and his background in the beer industry. Last night, the team at Bad Shepherd recognised Pete's long and surprisingly unsung contribution to the indie beer movement. I was thrilled to be present to see Pete recognised because of all he has contributed to the industry, often very much behind the scenes. I thought this would be a good way to share a little bit more about Pete himself with our listeners and give you the sort of background that we give of brewers and other beer personalities. I have to say, for the many hours I've spent talking beer with Pete, I come away from every chat with something to chew on, something to think on, or just something else I've learned about Pete or about beer. And I hope you find this conversation as interesting as I did. Pete Mitchum, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Well, thank you, Matt. That's Matt, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes. Now, a question that we ask a lot of our guests who may not be terribly well known in, in the brewing industry is, who is Pete Mitchum? <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> uh, Pete Mitchum at the moment is, uh, is dumbstruck. He's um, flabbergasted and, um, and very humble. You are referring last night, you were honoured um, at the Pilsner, Professor Pilsner's uh, Proliferation of Pils event. Uh, event at uh, Bad Shepherd, which was an amazing event. You know, again, there is an element of, well, of course you would say that given how much we've been banging on about Pilsner's last night, but it was a celebration of lager. Um, it was a really nice, you'd uh, curated a selection of lagers that sort of told your story into beer and what you love about it, including making one yourself. And the rat um Pilsner that seems to have got a lot of people um, out looking for it. I am, I am uh, penning a... Um uh, drafting an email as we speak to the boys at, uh, at Hop Nation, um, I expect, if not a spotter's fee, I expect at least some sort of uh, unpaid recognition as, as now being a brand ambassador for that beer. And I, uh, Look, anyone who's had it, uh, I'd really hope they, um, uh, they, they do that again because it's, it's a gutsy beer. Um, look, there's nothing to it. There's no bells and whistles. It's, it's, it's subtlety and it's nuance in, in beer form. But the commercial balls it takes to, uh, to brew that beer... To tie up, um, and speaking to a few brewers last night, every two weeks in tank is about $30,000. Wow. $30,000 every two weeks. So if you can't pump that beer out into the market, that's $30,000, you know, $20,000 or $30,000 you're, you're leaving on the table. Mm. So for them to do that four times, just to brew, you know, just to, to lager this one beer, um, and, and look, to me, it, it's in microcosm, it really, um, uh, I guess, um, encapsulates what I love so much about the, this community, you know, because it's, it, there's everything from, a, you know, an easy drinking lager through to the, the Rattenhund style Pilsner through to Hazy's and, and all the, you know, the crazy hype beers. Um, but it, 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 it all goes together. It's, it, each one's a, a piece of the puzzle that sort of, you know, creates the bigger picture. 
to anyone that's listening, the voices are going to be very familiar. But because this is Beer as a Conversation, I really want to make sure that we uh, sort of do something you know, different and, and make it a Beer as a Conversation. Um, so step back and you know, for, for the listeners that have heard you as uh, you know, host of Radio Brews News, step back, you know, when you were a young man, uh, you know, what was your plans when you wanted to leave school? What, what were your first jobs? Yeah, had no plans. Um, I was uh, smart enough to have to, to get entry into university, and so you you went to university. Um, and I often joke that you know first year uni was the best five years of my life um, because I loved. I, I just and it took me probably four and a half years to realise I loved learning. I didn't like studying. Um, so I did history of world war ii i did the history of revolution in mexico and cuba i did psychology i did all these odd sort of social sociology um units nothing of which i look back now and i go i love doing it because that, that's going to be really interesting i want to learn about that because it was something completely foreign to me not necessarily something that, that interested me but i had no plan of, of where that was going to go and it wasn't until um i i, I got a job um working uh, as a dish pig uh, we, were, we were referred to uh, dish, dish pitters. We were called. We worked in the dish pit um, of a restaurant, um, and that just really grounded me. That was all of a sudden I was learning, uh, I guess, personal skills that I didn't realise that I had. It introduced me to a, a, a broader range of people than I. You know, I went to a single sex um, Catholic secondary school, um, and some of those guys are, are still mates today. Uh, but I, I realised it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a very um, wide field of um, of experience and and uh, thought and ideology and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, so I got into into the restaurant side of things and a series of you know happy accidents and dumb luck. Uh, you end up getting offered a, a management position, and that's where I really sort of thrived. And that's also where I guess um, in a professional sense, that's where my love of of beer rather like I, I love drinking beer. But I didn't know about beer, and that's that was when I. So it's probably um, you know late eighties through to the early nineties was where I really wanted to discover the stories. Last night you did recount a story that indicated you and a group of friends had a significant uh, love of beer. Um, <laughs> it was it was more. Um, and look, you look at it now and you go, oh, you, you collected you know four and a half thousand empty VB cans and you turned them into a over, over what period of time? Just to because don't uh, try this at home. Kids. No, no. So this was um, move, we were the first ones. Myself and two other mates were the first ones to move out of home and, and get our own flat. So of course, you know what it's like. You're the first one with a car, so all your mates are coming around to to get picked up by you, or you know, and you're the one who's driving everywhere. You're the first ones with the um, with the flat. Every party, every occasion, we were watching the footy. We're all going around there. Um, and long story short. I made the call. It was just one of those things. We were sitting there and we were drinking VB cans and watching whatever it was. And there was a, a little, um, you know, Vulcan wall-mounted radiator. And I was sitting in the beanbag, finished my beer, and just put the empty rather than get up. You know, be a lazy yeah. bastard. <laughs> Don't get up and put it in the in the bin. Just put it on the thing, and then uh, finish the second one. But I thought, well, hang on. <laughs> and you know what? People with a collector mind alike. Um, that was the beginning of, of a collection. And I said. Wouldn't it be funny? Like this was Australia Day from Australia He's Day. Collecting week. a lot of the same thing. Collecting. You're you're referring to hoarding, aren't you? <laughs> it sounds like being lazy. Uh, well, you know, you're turning. You're turn, perhaps you're turning a negative into a positive. Uh, you're turning. Can't be asked getting up and putting it in the bin. To no, no, I'm collecting. If I do enough of this, <laughs> exactly, I can justify something. Three thousand year old graffiti is exactly. Know. And so hit upon the idea of 
wouldn't it be funny if from Australia Day this year till Australia Day next year, we just see how many cans will be collected. Not It wasn't let's try to drink as much as we can. It was just let's just whatever we drink, we'll keep the can as a bit of a, a thing. And we didn't have a, um, you know, we were three young 21-year-old struggling students and um, or 21, 20, 22. Uh, so we didn't have a washing machine. So there was a space where the washing machine was supposed to go. So we thought, if we lay the cans down, you know, like a like a barrel room, like a barrel program, really, because <laughs> we could we could we could set them about five, just like uh, hawkers, exactly. So about five deep, um, and you know, thirty high. I've got I've got photos of it. I'll um, I'll post them for the for the show notes. But um, we thought a twelve month period. Let's see how many how many. And and so everyone who came around um, knew, you know, after the first visit. Oh, you've got to bring. If you if you're coming around and you're bringing beers around, it's got to be VB and it's got to be in cans. And uh, our, a good friend of, of both of ours from our card nights, Rob, uh, yeah, worked at the at the state bank at the time, um, and so he managed to procure through the stationery department um, enough boxes of rolls of sticky tape that we could attach one beer can to another and and then create something. And I hit upon the idea of making a... It had to be something that was structurally sound and that sort of thing. So it ended up being a two high, two, 2.5 metre high um, monument, uh, like a, a plinth with Ned Kelly um, standing on top. And, you know, we made, I painted the... This is starting to sound like a potential for a TV show, like Lego Masters. It could be. It could be. You know, beer can, beer can builders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, quick, quick. Trademark that. But so look, that was, um, you look, you look back now and you go, you know, you but it's what young, encourage yeah. that, but it was, it was, it was that sense of tribe. It was a sense of we all had this shared, um, and, you know, it, it, for just 12 months, um, everyone who came around knew you had to have VB, you had to be in cans, and it was building towards something. And we had this magnificent, it was, you know, the best long weekend the following year, um, putting it all together, assembling it and, and creating it, um, in, in Rob's backyard. And back then too, um, this is again showing my age, but okay, this is 80, 1986, 85 into 86. Um, ring pulls, the removable ring pulls. Yep. So not only did we keep the cans, but we kept the ring pulls and we joined them together to make this massive chain, which then became guy ropes to kind of support the, <laughs> the structure, lest it fall over in the wind, which it eventually did onto, onto Roger's uh, tomato patch, which he was not happy about, at which point uh, the whole thing became recycled very quickly. But it did feature in the, uh, in, in the media? It, we, we, did, uh, we did get media coverage. There was no bruised news around there, Matt. No, no. To so there was take, no the salubrious... The uh, yeah, that's right. So uh, it was the, um, the sun. Uh, newspaper in Melbourne and People magazine were the only two who responded to our call. A lot of the others who sort of said, "No, we don't want to promote um, teenage alcoholism." Well, you know, it wasn't about that. <laughs> we didn't drink them all on this one weekend. <laughs> um, and, and look, yeah, long story short, it was the the guy, the photographer, and the journo from the Herald um, from the Sun said. You know, look, Australia Day weekend. It's you know, it's Ned Kelly. It's beer cans. He said it's been a really, really quiet. Uh, weekend, nothing has happened. You'll probably end up on the front page. In fact, <laughs> it'll take a pretty big event to push you off the front page. Um, overnight, uh, sadly, the, the space shuttle Challenger exploded. Um, and we still end up on page four. So we were the first story, uh, you know, the first feature after the, uh, the coverage. You obviously, you know, enjoyed a beer, you know, as the 80s were. Yeah, so yeah. 1982, I, I turned 18, got my, got my drinking license. Drinking was just something that you did. It was, and it was, you had a tribal loyalty to a brand? Um, pretty much it was, it was pretty much we drank what, what was there. 
and that the choice wasn't there. So this is we're, we're still a couple of years off. You know that what we refer to you and I, Matt, as you know the first wave of, of craft in Australia. So it was two or three years before but Matilda Foster's Bay. Foster's would have still been a significant because that was. The Elliott years yeah. of Foster's. So Foster's yeah, the was the Melbourne Cup and yep. Foster's Formula yep. One Grand Prix. And the other Prix. thing too is Foster's was good back then because um, Melbourne Cup, they would bring out a, a collector series, you know, like a series with yep. um, past winners. So three, you know, pictures of three winners on each can. So you'd buy a six-pack or whatever and you'd try to get, you know, collect the full set sort of thing. Uh, VB did uh, a cricket series where they had a, a shaped can that was, um, you know, the yellow and green World Series cricket mm-hmm. kind oh, of okay. uh, yeah, yeah. uniform with it, and, and each, you know, with a player's number. So that was, but the other thing too was, you know, every Wednesday night we go and see watch Jimmy Davidis play an acoustic guitarist um, at our local at the Coach and Horses Hotel, and so you drank whatever was on tap there, and it was, you know, twelve taps, mm. you know, ten VBs, <laughs> one. Uh, Cascade Premium Light, probably, <laughs> um, and maybe a Foster's or, or Carlton Draft. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't about you know brand loyalty. It was about we come here every every Wednesday night to to get together to make friends to you know bond our, you know the friendships. Um, and you just drink whatever, drink pots of whatever, you know whoever shout it is. That's that's what you're drinking. We'll talk a little bit about Epiphany beers and Gateway beers, which you spoke about last night. But is there a beer that you actually remember? Dropping that coin in in the slot for you and going, hold on, this is there. There is something about this. Yeah, probably there's probably three or four. I don't have a a, a really strong, um, clear recollection of an Epiphany beer uh, because as I, I didn't. The only time I, I really drank beer was when you went out with with mates. Uh, you know, as a poor student, you kind of you saved up your pennies, and you you only you know you drank, and you'd try to get together in a shout so because you know a jug was cheaper than than buying you know six yep. pots. Uh, that was also communal and social, and yeah, as they were sitting around a table much like this, um, and then there's twenty other tables all doing the same sort of thing, and you you know uh, as I say extending friendships, and and other people would find out about it, and they'd join in, and and they became you know the crew. And we were, we were very lucky. We had a, uh, a local parish youth group that had started uh, when we were it's about year 10, so say 1980, I think it, it first started. And we had sort of grown to become the, you know, the senior leaders of that, of that group. Um, and, and, and as I say, a lot of people are, are still friends today. So that, that was a, um, I guess a grounding sort of thing for us as well. Um, so it wasn't, you know, when, when we drank, we drank communally. We drank as a, you know, as, as the tribe. And so there are beers that I, I really remember, and I recounted the story of one of them last night, which was our first trip, so 1991, um, went to uh, Perth for the first time for a, a mate's wedding and discovered Matilda Bay Dog Bolter, which rather than being a 4.8% uh, beer or black lager, dark lager, back then it was the Brewer's Reserve um, 9% or 8.6% strong ale, which we didn't know. We just said, oh, we'll, we'll try that one because it's a, it's a local beer. We, like, we didn't see VB there. That was back in the days where if you went to Perth, there was either Big Trip Piss, um, <laughs> Emu yeah, Bitter, yeah, yeah. Um, or Emu Export, um, and uh, maybe West End or Swan Draft, or whatever it might have been, depending on what pub you were in. Um, but then we went... Because Bondi was done by those day, by that stage. I think right? so. Uh, he was... So this is 91, 91, 92 or so. He might have had his come up and spoiled. He might have been and gone. Yeah, yeah. he might have had his uh, his day in the sun. Uh, but I remember this dog bolter, and it was it, it, back then. It was it was a rich sort of uh, mahogany brown. It wasn't it wasn't a black beer. It was so like you know I guess uh, an English pale ale. 
Um, and we were drinking it as if we were drinking VBs. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's because that's all we beer, knew. That was, was our DNA. If, if that, you didn't have that, like was your beer. muscle memory. Well, ninety-one was the year before Forex Gold. Um, okay, yeah, um, yeah, came out. So mid strength wasn't really a category wasn't at a thing. that stage. You had delight. It was beer. if you were, you know, the one the one guy who was drinking either had lemon lime and bitters or you Small know a, a couple of and complained about it. And complained about it <laughs> yeah. you know, mercilessly. Um, and, uh, and and everyone else just drank, you know, whatever whatever was going. And so that I remember that because of the effect it had on us and thinking, this is just very different. Like this is still it still tastes like beer, but there's so much going on here. Um, the second beer that I vividly remember was uh, not Mountain Goat High Tail Ale, but Mountain Goat Pale Ale. Because that one, I remember because I, uh, I was drinking it uh, out on the, the back deck at, at, at Rob's house. And um, he's going, what's this, what's this beer you got there? What's, you know, because it was a so was different label. So late 90s, so seven, eight years Yeah, so later. this would have been, yeah, seven, eight years later, 98, 99, I guess. And then there was another couple sort of in between, um, one, of, one of which would have been... Um, it would have been a foreign, you know, it might have been a Worthington White Shield or it might have been a, I can't remember, but it yep. was a, like an English style ale and I just sort of thought, no, oh, I'm not as big a fan of this. And that's when I realised I, I actually, I, I liked the bitterness of beer um, and I would learn much later that it, it's actually that combination, it's the, it's the integration of the malt and the hops and the bitterness and everything just be, you know, giving a, a smooth ride was what I really liked about beer. Um, but as I say back then, it was all just, it was all just beer and some I liked and some I didn't. Counting you as a friend and having observed you for a considerable period now. I, I should say, listeners, he's doing very well to pretend that, you know, he's very interested in these stories that he's only hearing for the first time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hearing them differently, you know, because again, I, I'm... Well, and, and it's true when, yeah... I'm when, wearing my interviewer hat. Yeah, um, when, and when you put on the spot, you kind of, you, you, you're asking me to look at it completely differently to the way that I lived it. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, you know, without rose-coloured glasses or anything a like that. A very famous it, philosopher it's, it's by the name of Soren Kierkegaard said, life can only be lived looking forwards. That's right. But understood looking back. So I'm helping to try and make you understand. Yeah. Is that so. why cars have one giant windscreen, but only a very small rear vision mirror? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, um, I digress. Um, I still have that um, domain name, by the way. Um, Having observed you um, for a period of time, you you know you, you talked about your love of learning, your, your love of knowledge, but mm. not necessarily your love of learning. Um, love learning, didn't like studying. Yeah, studying. Yeah, um, if, you, if when I had to then write it down in a, in, a, in a set number of words and hand it in by a certain yeah, time, yeah. not nah, not fun. Yeah. Can you just let me come back next year Justify. and do different subjects? <laughs> no, <laughs> university doesn't, doesn't work like that, champ. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, what was it about beer that? Because I've seen you apply that love of learning to beer, and so we would have met uh, mid to late two thousands. Yep. Um, but by that stage, you know, you had were already um, very immersed in beer history and styles and you know knowledge. What was it that actually fired going from eh, actually I like this beer, not this beer, and this beer is interesting to digging into you know the Thursday in 1842 that Pilsner was made. Yep, yep. Um, October 12th. Um, it was it was lack of lack of resource. So this is there was no internet. There was no and there weren't there weren't beer books. Um, and it started probably very early 90s. Um, I was food and beverage manager, 
I'd been appointed food and beverage manager uh, and and the it was the keg restaurants at the time and they bought out this thing called the beer passport. It was drink your way around the world and the idea was to, to encourage loyalty and repeat business. So you'd um, you'd get a beer and they'd say, oh, yeah, would you like to take a passport? Um, you've had a VB or whatever, so I'll stamp Australia. And then it had, you know, a beer from from all these different countries. Little did I know they were all just, you know, uh, this was German for VB, that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. Dutch for VB. We but all got into that was all exactly. But here, uh, that that sort of um, somebody said, as I was you know stamping their their passport for them, somebody said, just out of interest, what, so what's the difference between an ale and a lager? And I thought um, that's a good question. <laughs> and of course, you couldn't just pull your phone out and Google it. It was like, yeah, I wiki I, what? Yeah, I, I don't know. And so I I went to um, libraries, I went to secondhand bookshops, and all you could find were. Um, uh, homebrew recipe book sort of thing um, or you know the history of um, a beer uh, region or, or you know a town or you know like the, the history of beer in Ballarat you know those, those sorts of you know just old, wizened old worn out dog-eared um, paperbacks and that really started the, so the interest because there was always Books by the sports writer for the Daily Telly or whatever, you know, dr- drinking stories. Drinking story, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, the next step up from you know Max Walker's, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or or Rod Marsh's tour tour story, which involved beer, yeah, but weren't necessarily knowledge based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, about didn't didn't extend my, my interest of knowledge. Um, opinions about which were the best beers without any sort of. Exactly, all very subjective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no data required. Um, I, I, I choose not to back up my uh, statement at all. Uh, next question. So uh, that really clicked off in me. I need to learn about this because I'm, um, I'm, the, I'm the guy behind the bar. So if somebody asks me, oh, you know, where's that beer from, or how's that beer made, or what, you know, what, why does it taste like that, I needed to know. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe a little bit later, it was you. The, the craft beer movement sort of started, and boutique. I, bu, bu, yeah, <laughs> micro micro brewery or boutique beer um, back then, um, and at least then some of the labels you could get a little bit of info about them. And I think I probably ninety eight ninety nine uh, joined the Goat Army, so I was on the you know the, the newsletter list, and there was a little bit of information there. Um, but it wasn't until I guess you know blogging, and that was when I met people like yourself, um, read about other people, and this this whole internet thing. All of a sudden, I had that information at hand, um, and so that's really where the the curiosity turned to um, you know a love of of, of you know, the history and the stories of beer. You have a um, view about gateway beers, um, you know, because given. You had a very organic approach, um, you know, dis- discovery of beer. You know, beer was just what young blokes drank um, in, in those days, and, and it was young blokes tended not to be young women. The There's girls were drinking West Coast coolers or Bacardi, or well, yep. the, the version of Bacardi breezes. Mike's hard lemonade, maybe, or well, know, and, and again, like I don't want to sort of delve too deeply into that, but there are, you know. There was a culture around it that made beer less attractive, and then TV, billboards, uh, advertising, magazines, everything said blokes drink beer and the girls drink uh, either wine or these new fancy, you know, wine spritzers. But it, as uh, the guy who started the AustralianBeers.com webpage, who I think he even predated uh, us, yeah. David Downey. Yeah, um, David Downey. That's it. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, you know, he explained it to me that you know. Young blokes didn't enjoy the flavour of beer either. You know, it was kind of like, you know, he, he recounts his dad saying, 
don't worry, son. It's an acquired taste, but it's a taste worth acquiring. And there was, you know, you, you had to overcome that um, natural aversion to bitterness, to bitterness and, and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, but that was a rite of passage for, for young blokes. Um, these days, the um, you know we live in a post craft beer world where the expectation is that your first beer is just as likely to be a craft beer, but you know there is still that aversion to bitterness and things like that. But you you have a view about what is a gateway beer. Yeah, I think there's there's, there's blocks of of, of people. Um, we were probably. And I'm mid-50s now, so I'm probably maybe that first generation where you didn't necessarily, you didn't go to the pub with your dad or your mm. granddad, so you didn't drink what whatever they drank. We were probably that first, uh, you know, broadly speaking, a generation, in inverted commas, to, to make, make our own way. And it might have been, well, you know, we drank whatever the rest of our mates drank or whoever had the strongest personality, you know, decided what it was we were going to drink. And to some extent it could even be, in opposition to what our parents did, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm forging my own my own way because it, it, was, it was the end of kind of, I guess, Mitchum and Sons. Like, you know, I didn't want to be an accountant you know, like my dad was. Numbers just, I didn't have a love for that. Um, it, whereas so many others, you know, their dad was a, you know, whatever. They kind of went into, the, into that family business, particularly, you know, if it was a, like a, a trade or a, a professional skill. Um, so, yeah, that, that was probably the, the big difference. And I think if we look now, if we take it in, and, and look, probably like our, our new T-shirts, and uh, order one now if you haven't got one because they're <laughs> great. Um, it's a bit of a Venn diagram in that some of the, I think some of the blocks of people overlap. But there was probably for a little while that discovering craft beer and it was discovering a Belgian wit or it was discovering a Hightail Ale or it was discovering an ESB, uh, maybe a, a, an English IPA, you know, like um, Bridge Road Brewers, um, uh, Beechworth Pale, that, that kind of English pale ale mm. style. Then there was probably that next lot where it was it was all just all about hops. So the next group, the next team, if you like, the next wave came through, and their first experience may have been a, a, a West Coast IPA or a um, you know Sierra Nevada or a, a Little Creatures, perhaps. There wasn't a concept of I'm looking for a gateway beer. I think we created that impression that we needed to create you know. We needed to create vanilla to attract the people who, who drank vanilla. Mm. Whereas, and I, I think, and, um, and this is, you know, one of the, geez, make sure this is recording because uh, <laughs> we'll lock this down and, and etch it in stone. Uh, where Muzzin and I, uh, Muzzin Hajar and I agree very much that I, I, the concept of gateway beer, I think, doesn't do us favors. I think, um, here, try this beer. I think the experience of, um, and as I say, when, and this is another thing, growing up, I didn't know who the brewer was at Foster's. Mm. It wasn't, oh, this is, you know, um, wasn't Max Burstlin's beer yeah. or this wasn't, you know, Mick Jontiff's beer. You know, whereas Dave Benighton was Mountain Goat. Yep. Paul Holgate was Holgate. Brad Rogers was Matilda Bay. Um, so all of a sudden there was a, a person, you know, Ben Krause, perfect example, because he was one of the first guys I, I sort of met and was able to talk beer with and really developed. He really um, flicked a, a, another switch or, or put, put it, me into a, a, another gear as far as learning about beer. And so we've then got this generation that, uh, that had what we didn't have, which is, yeah, just try that. Oh, we didn't, oh, oh, okay, that's a bit interesting. Yeah. Now, at first it might seem a bit, and you talk them through it. What causes that? Exactly. What is, oh, that's, that's a, you know, yeast fermentation. That's a, a fermentation temperature thing, or that's, that's the hops. Oh, oh, what, what do you mean hops? What's yeast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I, I know that he doesn't claim it as, 
original and he's taken from somewhere else, but Phil Cook's um, beer is fractally interesting. Yeah. You know, the, the, the more you dig, like you've just got this ever continuing series of questions that you can ask yeah. from that first one. Yeah. You know what else has layers? Onions. <laughs> Onions have layers. <laughs> but yeah, no, beer has layers. And, um, and, that's, and that's, yeah, feels, that's a really good way of, of, I guess putting it into into context, it's that you know the more you deep, the, the more you dig, the, the the more you find out, and the more people you meet. And I remember too, you know, we're talking back, uh, you know, it might have been 150 breweries around the country. So it wasn't, you know, you'd go to a uh, maybe a food festival or a you know um, some sort of cultural festival, and there'd be one tent, and it'd probably be Grand Ridge. Um, they'd probably be serving semi-warm because they're just the, they were the only ones selling beer, so they sold out. the The cold stuff went really quick. Oh, shit, we better put the takeaway <laughs> stuff in. Um, and it wasn't quite warm enough, but it was it was that experience, and that was oh, I've got to find out more about this. Um, and yeah, so put, putting it into that context, I think really makes me appreciate. And as I say, age is just a number. It just means you know we, we've got not necessarily more runs on the board. We've just been at the crease longer. Um, and so I can, I guess, look back and, and not with scorn. I don't, I, you know, like I don't, I, I, and I don't pity people who, you know, have just come in now and everything is boom, it's just about hazy or it's just this or, cause that's all part of their journey in the same way. Well, that's their reality. That, that yeah. was. I, I fully yeah. embrace the fact that I'm the guy that I used to roll my eyes at. Yep. Um, when I was 21. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, if there were some of those guys I still want to run into, I can still say, mate, I'm sorry, you're yeah. right. <laughs> Uh, exactly, and the, and and I guess the the thing I like is that I can look back now at the various stages and see, yeah, that's where I was, that's where I went to, been through that phase, or you know, um, where I, you know, that those are the beers I wanted to drink, and now, you know, you, you kind of just find your groove. What makes a good beer? Well, I've always said, you know, people say, oh no, yeah, you do, you do beer events and uh, tastings. What, what's the best beer? And you know, my standard response, you've heard it a hundred times, is, but the best beer is the one in your hand. Um, second only to the one in your hand that was put there by a mate who paid for it for you. <laughs> um, so to me, it's it's um, yeah, no no harm, no foul. At the end of the day, you might have paid six, seven, well, when we first started, you know, three bucks for a, a can of beer, and if you didn't like it, no drama. If you the same, the equivalent in wine, you might have paid thirty five. Now you're not chucking that out. Mm. You know, you you're gonna you're gonna endure that. Well, and that's. A really good point because wine has always had a higher barrier to entry because you need to commit to you know a bottle. Yeah. Um, and what if I don't like? There's it? There's no three seventy five of of Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 again, I've never been able to actually source it. Apparently, it's reasonably uh, spot on. But the best selling bottle of wine in any restaurant is always the second cheapest because nobody wants to be that person who orders the cheapest. Exactly. Um, Especially if you're trying to impress, you know. Well, that's when you might sort of go a little bit higher up. But, you know, if you just want something to drink, you don't want the cheapest because mm. you don't want to feel it, the cheapest exactly. But you don't want to over in shown. something that you don't recognise. Exactly. And so um, so for me it was, you know, the best beer now is, is a different beer depending on the occasion. Mm. So last night it was important for me that we had, um, to, to kick off the event, a beer that was for drinking, not for thinking. Um, you might kind of get two or three sips in and go, Actually, there's an interesting bit of malt and hops playing yeah, off each other there. Which is exactly what I did. Yeah. And, and uh, talking about the... Um, the Brick Lane Lager. Well, actually, even before then, the because um, I had a beer on arrival that was the Bad Shepherd Oh, lager. the Bad Shepherd Lager. The, it's just 10 overs, none for 40, line and length. five minutes later, you're just going... This is a good beer, yeah. But for me, that occasion was not sitting and contemplating life's great mysteries. It was just 
catching up, meeting and, and having a beer and not having to think about it. Um, if it was, you know, a, when it's a food occasion, it's a different beer again. If it's, hey, you've got to try this, I want to talk to you about something or, you know, then, then maybe we'll get into a, the, the Belgian quad or, um, you know, having just come off um, AIBA judging last week, there were some absolutely amazing beers that I cannot wait to get the catalogue because I need to know which, you know, mm. whose who's it was, you know, which, which beer it is. Two things, just very quickly off, off topic. Sorry, Matt. So it's your <laughs> no, show. I, I, I hate it when people go <laughs> off topic. Um, but one thing uh, I've noticed over the 10 or 12 years I've been involved now with the AIBAs as a steward and as a judge, um, the percentage of stinkers gets smaller every year uh, across the board. So we are, we are improving across the board in terms of our technical ability. There's, there are still beers where you go, oh, you know, I see what you were trying to do, or but that was the wrong hop or the hops were a bit tired or the fermentation temperature was a little bit... But there, there, there were very, very few where you just go, did somebody taste that before they sent it in? Clearly not, because that's, that's just a faulty beer. That percentage is getting smaller and smaller each year. And the second thing is that... Um, the and, and this is all credit to particularly, I guess, the advisory panel through the RASV who are making sure that they stay on track with where the trends are and where they're going to, to, to better reflect. And that's for two reasons. One, to give brewers a better um, benchmark for where their beers are against other like beers, but also where their beers are versus where they were last year. You can't just go changing parameters and um, style guidelines um, unless there's a reason a reason for it. And it's more likely, so for example, this year, splitting the IPAs into traditional and, and modern, which I think the first time we did it was 2019. So I mm. think this is the second time we did it. Missed last year, obviously. Um, but that's a great opportunity because there are some really great beers, but they don't... It's comparing apples and oranges. Where do you sit on the idea that, you know, like what we, we talk about first Pilsner, 1842, and clearly the, you know, the, the Pilsner we had last night would have been a world apart from yeah. Joseph yeah. Grohl's 1842 yes. version. Um, but we still talk about the tradition of this is what the, the beer is meant to be, despite all of the changes. How much should we look to consistency of tradition versus pushing boundaries of um, innovation? Yep. Tradition, I think, realistically, is just something that's that's inoffensive enough that it lasts long enough to be called a tradition. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just it's just a thing. Um, I pointed out last night that you know at one time before um, transportation, before mass transit, before um, you know communication, you made a beer. If you wanted to make a beer, you made it with what's that growing over there? Let's try that. Um, this is the, the way my water is. Um, this is the natural yeasts in the... And that became, you know, whether it's a, an old beer from Dusseldorf or a, a Kölsch from Cologne or Köln, um, Burton on Trent, Ale, whatever it might be, we very much said, well, it's all beer, but that's the beer you have when you're there. That's the beer you have as a result of, you know, the, the sunny side of the, the north side of the hill where the hops grow, whatever it might be. Um it wasn't until we then all of a sudden, oh, sorry, let's blame the marketing guys because they're always, you know, easy hit. Um, shaving down all the edges. Yep. Cutting down, you know, uh, sanding the, the, the rough edges smooth and, and taking out all of those different characters and saying, let's, let's come up with vanilla ice cream. Well, that, that's, you know, if you ask a room of 100 people and I do this at most of my yep. events, you know, who Rum and here? raisin. Oh, I love um, hokey pokey. Oh, I love it. Yeah, who here? Everyone um, will have something different. Yeah. No, no one says vanilla. No one says vanilla as their favourite, and yet, but it's eighty-five percent or no more. one won't have vanilla. Yeah, yeah, because it won't offend, and that's and that has become 
mainstream lager. And it probably for a long while too became mainstream Sauvignon Blanc or Chardonnay or whatever. It was like, you know, oh, some people don't like that bright fruitiness, some people don't like that high acidity, some people don't like the tannins. So we kind of breed it out. And it's not until everyone kind of twigs to, this is just a bit unsatisfying. This is just, I, I, need, I need six before I feel like I've, I've tasted anything that we then go, what else is there? Which instantly was what the industry was built on. You know, the industry was built on selling huge volumes of beer. Yeah. Um, not necessarily less beer to more people. Mm. Um, and that was the point I made last night about the challenge the industry faces isn't getting people to drink, you know, fruited sours and pastry beers and things like that. It's getting them to pay $20 a carton, a carton over. more yeah. for something like a Pilsner that spent a bit of time in tank that doesn't taste vastly different. You know, it's it's close enough to the mainstream yep. stuff to convince yourself that the $20 is better in your pocket than in the retailers. And and, and, and that's the, the challenge that I find. And that's for me, I guess, where, getting back to your original question, that's where tradition for me comes in because it puts a, an extra layer, an extra patina over what is effectively just a 5% alcoholic watered beverage. It's the ability to say, try this. Why? Well, back in 1842, okay, so there's a story behind, you know, it just, it's, it's the marketing on the advertising. Behind, it's the brand rather than the beverage. And so for me, that tradition, it's important to acknowledge it. Um, and that's why, you know, when Derek invited me to, to make the beer, I said it was really important to me that it, it was a, um, respectful to the tradition of beer, but we didn't just try to replicate what had already been done. I wanted to do here's tradition and there's just a, an Australian um, new varietal hop um, that gives it that, that earthiness. Little did we know with, through COVID, it was going to be very hard to get um, you know, Spelt or Pearl or any of the uh, <laughs> Tetanang um, traditional noble German hops anyway. Uh, but but it was really important for me that that nod to tradition was there because I, I just think without that, we lose our rudder. Is that available online? I know that yeah, I think it's a, through the um, it's it's it goes out into trade as of now. Okay, so I think it was officially launched last night. Um, uh, Derek was saying his uh, his national sales manager has come back from Canberra and sold a heap up there to different. Um, okay. I might places. see so if I can get my hands on um, a four pack that I can take home to send to one of our listeners just so they can try it. Because yeah, no, for sure. They were calling out for the Rattenhund. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's gone now. Are. That's that's now gone. We we I can officially say we drained that keg last night. There's there's not that and and look, big shout out to the guys at at Hop Nation. Um, I I didn't know that all this subterfuge was going on. I didn't know that there was anything other than I'm just launching a beer. So I contacted Duncan and just told him how much I love the beer. And if it was at all possible, I'd love to be able to showcase it on the night. He said, it's all gone. Uh, rang me back um, said, we've tracked down a, a keg in Sydney um, that we're re- recalling um, that got there with about three hours to spare. Okay. Oh, nice. Well, and somebody, um, one of our listeners shared a... There was, now, oh, shout out. Nick got... Got, got, got chalk. Got chalk. 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 Yeah. So we had the Oak right, but it's a ch, not a sh- Okay. Uh, who is uh, a very fine um, man and volunteered his time as a steward at the AIBA. So we got to meet in person. Oh, excellent. And, yeah, right behind us here in uh, the well, downstairs of Beer Deluxe. At the Cryomalt Trade yeah. Hub. Tri- at the Cryomalt Trade not, Hub. Not, not for any commercial reasons. It was just not nice, at all. quite Thank you to, to our very good friends thank at you, Cryomalt. Friend. Yeah. Well, they were 25 years in the field. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, and he posted, uh, along with several other people, that it was... Uh, yeah. that, and I did notice Matty Wilson from um, uh, from Moffat Beach 
um, said, I hope there's still some left when I get there on Thursday. <laughs> so there's been a bit of that. I'd, I'd be quarantining kegs now and then and then just upping the price because people will just pay whatever you know, based on our recommendation now, I'm sure. Now, in a, like a, a, a career in beer, you know, sort of 20 years um, as a educator, advocate, aficionado, can you nominate a beer experience? I won't ask you to nominate your favourite beer, but you know there are always times that you just remember something about. Yeah. You know, it's either yeah, I won't even make suggestions. Is, but is there something yeah. that sticks in your mind about Shandy? Put this to me, Shandy, who hosted the the event last night. God love him. Um, you know, put me on the spot and asked me to name some other pilsners that I, I you know, were, were favourites. And you, you honestly, you don't want to mention. Ten, in case you miss one, mm. you know you don't want to. Why did you mention mine? <laughs> yeah, um, because they're, because they're, <laughs> because there were they're, look, there were plenty of beers. Uh, Bolter Pilsner for me, you know, was a was an eye opener. Um, if nothing else, and I mentioned last night, um, the uh, you you and I, I'm sure, shared the same. Well, had the same book, which was um, Ben Canada, Ben Canada, and <laughs> yeah. um, Chris uh, uh, Hell, um, Duncan yeah. Hell, Greg Duncan Dun- Hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was, you know, beer, six-pack stubbies and... He lives in Melbourne. Uh, he, uh, just, just to digress. Okay. As soon as you mentioned that, I was thinking, I'm going to try and give him a call today because yeah. I'd love to interview him because yeah. he he's actually one of those inflection points in my career. He was... Same. Editing... Well, quite apart from I was reading his stuff um, and you can still find... Like, it was that sort of humorous writing, tasting notes. It wasn't actually a tasting note. It was no. capturing a perception, but showing yep. that you could, you know... You could use you could use proper flowery language rather than as we often you but know still the, the, the the overripe didn't want to take yourself too serious yeah. and uh, and moist granite you know <laughs> yeah. um, not wet but you know that the, the wine wankers would 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 always use he yeah so that for me really um, probably ignited my need to write about beer and not just write. Um, you know, bits and pieces. I've still, got his, I've still got his number in Beautiful. my uh, phone. But anyway, I, so, I, I so to put it, it for, for those who weren't there last night, um, I remember him, his description of, of, of this particular Pilsner, and I'll, I'll have to go and find it and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I think it was a drink, it drink, drink drunk. No. Or uh, slab stubbies and six packs. Yeah, slab stubbies and yep. six packs. And, and all it was was, you know, divided into, you know, uh, session beers and, you know, red dark beers and black beers. It, it, you know, it was, look, it was very. Go back and look at that category. You look back now and you go, oh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not so much problematic, but just, oh, like it was probably a bit, you know, it's clumsy by today's yeah. standards that, that we have hopefully, uh, continued to set. Um, but he, he, he wrote, he described a Pilsner as, it's like walking through fallen leaves in the black forest wearing lederhosen. And I just thought that was so like it wasn't wanky at all. It was just yeah, it's like that that earthiness, that fresh. Uh, you know, it's pine needly, but not citrus. Um, it's you know mulch. It's, but it still it's brings earthy, in that cultural humus. element that describes the feeling that you're having of exactly, exactly. Because uh, you know, if it uh, otherwise, it's just this is five percent and it's from Germany. This is five percent and it's from Czechoslovakia. This is five percent. You know, it's all. Mm. It all becomes the same. The same beer. And it's probably more relevant now, you know, that we've got 700 odd breweries plus all these other brands, you know, coming online every day. Um, that, you know, you've got to, you've got to be heard above the noise. It's no good just making a faultless beer. It's no good making an interesting beer. You've got to get it in, in people's hands. Is that a problem that it, you can't just make a good beer or, or is it what it depends on what your aspirations as a brewer are? Well, again, uh, you know, is a good beer, uh, a subjective, uh, rather than an objective, Things can you can you have you know well it's, it's it doesn't offend me 
you know, mm. as you w- want to say, you know, is, is it a fault or is it a flavor, <laughs> yeah. a feature, yeah, yeah. yeah, fault or feature, um, and that's all. That's all part of it. Um, so to me, yeah, a good beer has got to be one, and this is putting my judge's hat on. It, it can't have any, um, you know, apparent faults. So to me, a bronze medal beer. Um, that's what every every brewer should be. Um, if not brewing, it's certainly it's the only right, beer they should be submitting. Put it in the right category, and what exactly. You yeah, that, yeah. That's where you yeah, get yeah. it. Okay, that, that's where. Okay, now we're now we're brewing for medals, not for not for your punter. And and the, lots of lots of brewers just need to accept those two beers are my favourites, but I, I I shouldn't send them into. You know, I shouldn't have them on, t- on on untapped, and I shouldn't enter them into into the AIBAs because they don't fit the style. So I'm always going to get great beer. But too hoppy for style, or wrong hops for for style, or whatever it might be. Um, you just have to accept that that's you, you, there's no there's no perfect compromise. You've you've answered what your favourite beer would be, but I was actually digging a little bit differently yeah, I know, in, and I was trying to experience avoid it. Yeah, so, so like in, again, because your beer is taking you around the world yeah. to some extent. And yeah, you know, it's certainly taking you around Australia. Yep, yep. Um, Look, I've got to say, um, uh, seven fifty. No, it was a five hundred. A five hundred of. Um, of Weinstefan, just their, their, their standard, their, their hells in the beer garden, in freezing. And I got you didn't have a jump two buses and freezing. Sorry. <laughs> on. He writes all his own material. Folks. He's here till Thursday. Try the veal. Tip your waiter. Um, that for me was, and not just because like the beer was just absolutely spot on, but I then I sat down at a table. Um, it was early, it was like it was the start of lunchtime midweek, so it wasn't it wasn't heaving or anything. There were, you know, a couple of workmen over here. There was a you know, a couple an older couple over here who were clearly tourists as well. And just out of the corner of my eye, you know, like as I sat down straight ahead of me, four tables away, was a young bloke, not much different in age to me, who just looked at me and just said and just beckoned me over, as if, mate, you don't sit there on your own. And it was a, a a bloke from um, from the states, and we just got chatting over. It. I said, Are you sure? I said, I said, I said, the first thing I said was, "Mate, I don't speak any German." <laughs> and in his broad American accent, he said, "That's okay, mate. Neither do I." So, and and so for me, that was the experience because you know you just wouldn't get that. I don't think you'd get that in a, uh, um, I don't know, in, in many other in many other situations. It's just so for me that was oh, this is. Small C communion. This is small C Catholic. It's community. It's yep. um, it's just we're all on the same page. Um, you're drinking a beer. I'm drinking a beer. We're not going to drink it alone. If if there's an if there's if there's a, an option. Yeah. So you're that, that for me. Did you swap numbers? I still got his business card. Now okay. we haven't. Um, I think he he might have moved, so that I didn't right. I didn't get a, a response from that. But again, it, what, that wasn't necessarily important. It was just one of those. It was just one of those things. Um, and, and there's probably uh, a few more like that where the beer has, you know, the, the beer experience has surprised me. Um, sitting in the marketplace at um, in Bruges, um, having uh, Rodenbach um, while the girls were were uh, eating waffles, hmm. and it was just like, how good is this? You know, <laughs> um, because it was just so many things that I'd read about or wanted to experience. And there's probably there's probably another fifty like that, you know. Um, our first year together at the at the Ecker. Oh yeah, I think yeah. selling that first beer gun, <laughs> seven bucks down. <laughs> uh, you know, seven hundred to go. Forty um, cartons, uh, and then I don't have to walk home. <laughs> yeah. um, but but just little things like that. Just um, maybe an experience in that would be 
um, guys like Ken or, or guys who just come back the next year and go, yeah. What do you got this what year? What do you got this year? Because <laughs> that to me is, that's. Uh, Ken, that's for those who don't know, he was in nineties. Mid nineties, maybe yeah. late nineties. And yeah. every year we thought, well, actually we didn't see him in 2019, so maybe. Didn't see him, no, no, and, and missed last year, obviously, but, uh, let's hope he's. But, but in 2018, yeah, so 20. He was drinking Feral Hop Hog, wasn't he? Th- 2014 was the first year. He had yep. Feral Hop Hog, and he yeah. just changed his life, you know, in yep. his nineties. Yep. Um, and he, we watched his, progressive decline where he was under his own steam having his walker and he would just sort of put his walker up beside the bar yeah fold uh, the fold the seat, seat out, and, out just, and sit there and have and we'd let him sit at the bar yeah. Yeah. um it was great but uh now all, all kidding aside we do um you know again obviously the beer that you chose to celebrate last night was a pilsner we do have a little bit of fun at um you know the chili mud crab beers and the breakfast yeah you know, yeah the, uh, pineapple the, ipa sour yeah but do you do you drink those for pleasure? Do you get any pleasure from drinking? I'm in a really lucky position, like yourself, where um, breweries will send you a, a can or two um, of, of a, a limited release and that sort of thing. Um, I I very, very rarely, uh, I, I will post that I'm drinking it, but I, I never put tasting notes or you've got to go out and get this, it's a banger, you know, to say to justify them sending it to me or, or that sort mm. of thing. I'm more likely to send um, my personal thoughts to the brewer directly um and a lot of the times yeah it's going to be not my cup of tea but this is a really well crafted beer um so for me it, it's just got to have all those elements it's just got to tick all those boxes um and then there's, there's there's beers that i go that's one and done you know i don't need to have that again i can see what they're trying to do um really good use of of the technique or the, the that ingredient or whatever um but but one's enough for Didn't me explode yeah exactly yeah well, that's always <laughs> uh, you know that, that's i guess my minimum standard that's there's bronze medal but below that is did not explode <laughs> sorry to our listeners that take issue with it. but yeah but it's it's important you know and, and look you know we, we we joke about that and i don't want to you know sort of gloss over that but yeah that's that's one of those things of you know that we we owe it to because uh, I've also often said there's a lot of stuff that I've also often said, but but one thing I say is when when you when when somebody down, there's been a lot it, said when somebody who who normally drinks you know and I, I love the guys who come up to us at the Echo and go yeah, you got any, anything that tastes like them um you know them Greg Norman Super Crisp <laughs> yeah, do you mean Greg yeah yeah that's the one they're Greg Norman Super Crisp um you've you've got you know people who are coming in and when they fir- have their first craft beer their first indie beer you know. They're not drinking yours. They're drinking everyone's. They're drinking 750 brewers. Because if it's, if it, if they don't like it or if it's the cans bulging or the seams tearing or it's flat, um, or it was a nitro and it wasn't, you know, the instructions weren't clear enough, whatever it might be, they drink everybody's beer. They remember, they don't, they won't remember that it was ABC Brewery. All they'll remember was, I'm going back to, my super crisps or i'm going back to my forex because i've never had a bad one so that for me is is more important it's not about trying to construct or design great gateway beers it's not trying to replicate you know what vb is doing or what forex gold is doing it's just saying this is a well-made beer if you don't like it or if you're not ready for it at the moment that's fine you know there's there's plenty plenty of other beers um and i think probably for me the the most pleasing thing is the switch that we've made as a as a community as an industry from um, going back to the uh, the Mountain Goat um, Holgate Bridge Road Brewers the early days Red Hill, where 
we don't not those specifically, but there was a general thing that no, we don't brew lagers because that's that's mainstream. It's mm. it's not craft. And I think we're now shifting to say actually we've improved. We've improved our our um our kit has improved. Um, the technology that we have available to us has improved, and our knowledge has improved. And in some cases, yeah, we're making a bit of money now. We can afford to lager. You a don't beer think that, that it's an acknowledgement that not everyone wants to drink craft beers, and that if breweries that, that are going to grow, that's um, that's written in pencil underneath it. But I think the pen that goes over the top oh, is really? that okay. um, there's nowhere to hide a fault. So for me, a lager is is it defines a brewer. Mm. It's like if you go to a restaurant. And they've got all these really fancy dishes or whatever. So, but I just want to have the porterhouse steak because if you can do that and not stuff it up, I will trust you that you can do the rest of it. But yep. if you can't do that well, and this is where I, you know, and we've had, we've had experiences with breweries where the hype beers, everyone's queuing up for them and everyone loves them and that sort of thing. But you have their Kolsch or their Golden Ale or their light, and you just go, it's diacetyl or it's DMS or it's just it's just not ready. It's mm. just it's just a green beer. It's worty or it's cereally or you know whatever it might be. You go, well. You can't, you can't hide those faults in that beer. What are you, what are you hiding in the ones that you can? Mm. You know, because you're, you're throwing a heap of lactose at it or a heap of fruit or, you know, a heap of bitterness, whatever it might be. And that's, you know, it's, it's not a slight. It's just, and talking to Corinna Steve from Prancing Pony last night, um, she's not a big fan of the one and done, it's fair to say. Mm. Because, uh, and this is her style of brewing. It takes them seven, eight, nine iterations of the of the beer before they're happy to to send it out into the trade, mm. and they'll change one thing. If it hasn't quite hit the mark, they'll change one element. You don't go, oh, that didn't work. Let's start again. They certainly don't say, well, we're going to send it out anyway. So for me, uh, that that's that's the important um, thing. I think that we need to, and I think we're mature enough, and we're wealthy enough or we're comfortable enough now that we can afford to make a couple of mistakes and not send them out into trade are you still as excited about beer as you were 15? every single day yep um because there's uh, there's so much more it, it, there's so much more opportunity now that i'm going to get something new but it's also um there's so much beer behind us now that we've forgotten about uh, i had a, a wit beer from uh, akasha sent me a, a, their barry white mm-hmm. yep and i thought I haven't had a. I haven't had a like a really. Modus had oh, one. Modus. Modus. Sorry, yeah, it was yeah, Modus. Modus. Yeah. Akasha um, was the. I, I thought we might have been onto a new trend for a no. second. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that for me, that was an amazing beer I was because the same. I thought, oh, I remember this beer, and this is exactly what I remember about it. Mm. And it was probably Feral White was probably the one uh, that you know set that memory in stone, and this one just said, "I'm back." Mm. So every day there's something like that that's, you know, and it's not because it's not a, you know, a fruited pastry stout or a pineapple IPA or whatever it is. It's just that, oh, yeah, I, yeah that, that brings back fond memories. It's, it's like a photo album. It's like going through a photo album and going, oh, I can't believe I wore my hair like that back then. Speaking of which, we're going to get your mullet shot from uh, a famous uh, photo of you. Yeah, we might, we might see if we can dig up a mullet shot from, uh, <laughs> from the early days just for the listeners' enjoyment and my derision. <laughs> so what's next? For, for Pete Mitchum. Uh, More of the same, Matt. More of the same. Well, we, we, we do have the echo coming up. We got confirmation yep. of that yesterday. But uh, yeah, apart from Matt, what's, what's up? Um, hosting the AIBAs. AIBAs with, with Kiralee. With Kiralee on Thursday. Yeah, well, she's hosting and I'm, uh, I'm the voiceover man. I'm the, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the audio artist. Um, and really looking forward to it. The number of people who are missing out on tickets. Um, Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Like I've had 
Because I was thinking, oh, we'd be lucky to get 500 because, you know, people might not want to take the chance mm. to come down if, you know, in case somebody sneezes and we, you know, get a snap closure of the borders again. Um, but there's a real buzz around it. Um, it was, it was a great experience. The, that um, and look, I'm going to give a shout out to, um, the stewards because, they were down on numbers for all except, I think, the last day. They had about the numbers that, that, that we'd normally have. Um, but they didn't miss a beat. They just they worked their asses off. Um, and, and they do get a little bit of recognition. But, you know, I would love to have, you know, a table of 40 at the, uh, at the awards just, just for the stewards as, as, <laughs> as recognition. It, it, it just can't happen. And this year, as I say, um, Damien Neustig, who's looking after the event as well as uh, the competition. Nicely done on the surname. Oh, thank you very much. Um, he was saying that the um, COVID restrictions had been eased a little bit, so the capacity had, had bumped up, so they were allowed to get another 150 or so in. Um, but those tickets, yeah, were snapped up deluxe. But um, that's, yeah, that's my week. And then into Gabs. But uh, broader, you know, like you, you're going to keep going, keep powering on, educating. Do you, do you still do... I haven't done so many tastings. That that seems to have dropped off a, a little bit. Um, and look, yeah, the, the corporate stuff, it, it doesn't... I don't know. I, I love doing um, the podcast because it's, it's immediate and it's uh, relevant and it's news and, and that sort of thing. Um and I, and, and I love you say that. And I love the feedback. You know, <laughs> yeah. I love the fe- I love each week getting you know elbow deep into the mailbag and seeing what people have, have responded to. Shout out to Xander from Bandelier Brewing in Gippsland who turned up last night yeah. just to presumably very drove quietly. all the way from Warrigal to drop off a six pack oh, of beers yeah. for oh, us. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't presume that. I'm pre- I'm hoping that he's here for other events, but he did sort of. I oh, could have been in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah make, make, right. make the point of dropping it out, and uh, you know, yeah. So but thank uh, you for that. Um, well, I'm just. We must be over time, surely. We, we are. We, we, we're coming up to it with, with no waffle. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, but there's still so much. So we, we might even have to do a part two. A two part stage. The, uh, <laughs> Prof, the, the later, later years. years. <laughs> well, Pete Mitchum, congratulations uh, on all you've achieved. Thank you for, uh, you know, just being a great beer friend and a you know, personal uh, mate. Um, and yeah, uh, really excited to see you uh, recognised and rewarded uh, last night by the good people at Bad Shepherd. Thanks very much, Matt. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, get online uh, before they all, they're all snapped up, probably by me, because um, <laughs> I don't want to leave them sitting on the shelf. I, it's not... a very nice new world-ish, very, very... I think we got it, yeah, we, we, we nailed the brief, which was to, mm. to, to have that nod, a respectful nod to, to tradition, um, but without trying to just copy Weinstefan or, or, you know, one of those those classic German-style pilsners. So the um, the topaz hop, I think, just gives it that nice bit of earthiness um, yeah, yeah, and but a bit of a new world twang. Twang? Yeah, no, you described perfectly because I find a lot of the new world pilsners are actually new world pale ales made with a lager yeast. You know, they're, they're yep. much bolder and much punchier, whereas yep. this was a yep. pilsner that was just... I really wanted that, that soft, subtle, yeah. bready malt to, to sit right the way through from, you know, the first sip to to the last um, and then the hops to kind of just play off that and, and I think Craig um, uh, and Matt Carty and Derek in designing and helping me brew the beer absolutely nailed it spot on in all good retailers now that's it and even some of the shitty ones Pete thanks very much uh, thank you for this conversation about uh, a career in beer thanks very much Matt it's, it's been a pleasure being a guest and that was Pete Mitchum Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt, 
With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they, along with Pete Mitchum, are our premium partner in beer conversations.